Today's scripture lesson is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, the Transfiguration. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. You are standing in line to get into heaven. And you are standing behind, of all people, Mother Teresa. And you're waiting, and you're moving closer and closer. And finally, Mother Teresa stands in front of St. Peter. And you hear him say, I'm sorry, Teresa, it just wasn't enough. I would wake up in a cold sweat, trembling. And yet... That is precisely how so many Christians approach Lent with the attitude, bless you, with the attitude that Lent is something we do, that we give up the chocolate, we give up underwater basket weaving, we give up whatever we give up, that we do the purifying, that Lent is somehow our work to do. I hope today you will find a better way to experience these next few weeks. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this season set aside, not for us to work on ourselves, but for you to work on us and in us and through us. Show us what these days can truly mean, not just for our sake, but for your sake as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Are there any Antiques Roadshow fans here? Just in case you've been living on the moon for a while or in Memphis, you know who you are. Uh, 
the, the premise of the show is you bring items from your home that you think might have value, and you find out what they're worth. Y'all never forget the time a guy brought a watch it turned out to be $750,000 worth of watch. Other times you bring in something that you think is going to be a million dollars and they give you a $1.50 price tag for the thing. And, it's, and you never know what you're going to get. It's fun to watch, uh, but sometimes hard to watch when the people's faces just kind of fall. You knew they were hoping for more, hoping for more. Well, Sissy and I will sit and binge watch these shows all day long uh, because we enjoy them so much. But if you even watch one episode, you know before it's over that there is one thing that makes almost everything so valuable, and that's provenance. It's the provenance of an item that can often bring value to an item. What's the story? How did you get it? The experts will tell you quickly that a gold ring is literally worth its weight in gold. But that same ring, if it was given to your great-grandmother and passed down through the family, and it was originally given to her by Picasso for cleaning up his art studio or whatever, all of a sudden, that's provenance. And it's worth a whole lot more than the weight of the gold in the ring. In this story... The Mount of Transfiguration. God establishes the providence of Jesus. You know, we, we read it so easily nowadays. Do you realize all of the cosmically strange things that are happening in this story? I mean, Jesus' face shines. When was the last time your face shined? I mean, I'm talking with the glory of the sun, with the brightness of the sun. When was the last time that happened to you? Well, how can we actually read this story, hear those words, and yawn? Or say, oh, another day with God. That's just what you expect. It's different. It's different. And that's not the only thing. Jesus' clothes also shine with that same brightness. That's different. Moses and Elijah appear and have a conversation with Jesus. Maybe dead people appear to you all the time and you talk to them all the time. I'm going to get you help if you say that happens. But we read this story like, oh, he was just meeting with the greatest prophet there ever was, the, the greatest lawbringer who went to the mountain, who also had his face glowing, by the way, Moses and Elijah. That's different. That's very different. 
this spooky cloud appears so thick that you can be barely see your hand in front of your face and the voice of god declares in the eeriness the supernaturalness of it all this is my beloved son talk about providence that is providence there is no doubt as to who jesus is and there is no doubt that he is far beyond priceless we call this the transfiguration of jesus but he wasn't the only one the disciples with jesus that day beheld the very glory of god and they were transfigured it's one of my favorite parts of this story they did not leave that mountain the same people they came i love these disciples they had such a yo-yo faith. I can relate to these disciples. Sometimes they were up, sometimes they were down, sometimes they were laying on the ground. Especially Peter. You gotta love Peter. About one week before the transfiguration, Jesus asked, who do you say i am and peter said you are the messiah the son of god and jesus praised him you are peter and on this rock i will build my church then jesus pulls his disciples aside and tells them that he must go to jerusalem and suffer Never, Lord, cries Peter. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. One minute, Peter is the rock. The next minute, Peter is Satan. A week later, Peter is offering to build booths, a sign of respect, a sign of honor. But very soon, Peter will be standing in that courtyard where someone will ask him, aren't you one of his disciples? And he will declare on oath, I never knew him. Simon Peter is us. One moment we're so close to God that we are eager to give God everything we have, everything we are. The next moment, in times of testing, we deny we ever knew him. And we get frustrated. And we think we'll never be the Christians we know we should be. 
I've got another Mother Teresa story for you, one I like a whole lot better. A man traveled to India to spend a month working in one of Mother Teresa's shelters. And he desperately wanted to meet her, but unfortunately, she was traveling. And it wasn't until the day before his departure that she had time to speak with him. And in her presence, he burst into tears. All the times he had been so self-centered and focused on his own gain, it all flashed before his eyes, and he felt the enormous sadness, like he had missed so many opportunities to give of himself and his resources and make a real difference in people's lives. Without a word, Mother Teresa walked over to where he was seated. She put her hands on his shoulders and looked deeply into his eyes. Don't you know, she said, that God knows you are doing the very best you can? As we enter the season of Lent, please know it is not about making ourselves better. You've been doing that for years. How's that working for you? I've been doing it for years. How's that working for me? Lent is not about making ourselves better. Lent is not about beating ourselves up because we know how unfaithful we can be. Lent is about new life. Lent is about God breathing and filling us with the Holy Spirit. As we come to the table, I hope you will feel God's hands on your shoulders and know God is bending down and looking you in the eye. And I pray you hear him say, I know you are doing the best you can. Now will you let me do the rest? It's called grace.